We're Not Dead, a podcast about a story of survival. Say hello first, don't I? Do I have to say hello first? I don't know. That's you. That's me. Whatever. I'm I'm rolling. I'm rolling with it. Hi guys. Uh, episode twenty of We're Not Dead, the official community podcast for We're Alive. I'm your host, Brittany Brombacher, and uh, Greg is gone this week again. So Same. feel free to spam him with twitters and emails and all that good stuff. Uh, but I am joined by two lovely people. The first one being Michelle. Hi. Also. Ron, a.k.a. Job, a.k.a. Job, a.k.a. Joby. I don't even know. <laughs> we'll stick with Job. 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 Yeah. No, you, I'm not going to – I'm probably going to call you five different names during this podcast, yeah. but that's okay. So you were on a while ago. Yes, I was. How long ago was that? That was uh, episode 13, so seven weeks wow. ago. Wow. Dang. Which is actually kind of funny is I can actually almost – or actually, I think we had a break in there too, so eight weeks but I can actually almost measure how old my son is now because of that, because uh, it was the week after my son was born. So, yeah. Nice. Aww. So We're Not Dead means so much more to you than a podcast about a podcast. Oh, yes. It is like... It's a mile marker. Yeah, it's the memory. It's the keystone. It's the measurement of your son's life. <laughs> so, Michelle, you aren't a... Fre- are you a frequent visitor to the forums? I visit and I read things. I don't really post too much, but frequent, maybe once a week. So you're a lurker lurker definitely but you are a frequent visitor to we're alive's facebook page definitely so is that where you get your fix for like like where do you do you talk about this with other people we're alive or do you go to theories or like how do you how do you get your fix man (laughs) mostly it's me and then a few friends i've constantly pushed on Mm -hmm. um probably one or two and then i talk to my sister about it who's all she's really the one who got me into zombies and everything from years ago and mm-hmm. I tried to share it with her and her, the whole fact that she now has a child really kind of fell through well Job has two kids or do you have yeah, two. she fails at being quite as awesome as you do so how did you come across We're Alive um I started listening to We're Alive at four o'clock in the morning January 4th, 2011 at 4.50 in the morning. Oh, wow. I, I looked at the file and that's when I downloaded. <laughs> that's awesome. So how did you come across it? Um, I was looking on Facebook and there was an ad. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen the ad since. And I guess they're just like, oh, well, she went to it. And I guess now we don't need to remind her that how, how awesome it is. Well, that's cool. So yeah. no one recommended it to you. You just saw it. Nobody. I stumbled upon it. So who was your favorite character? My favorite character, it's a toss-up, really, between Riley, Mm -hmm. um, mostly because she can really take care of herself, Mm -hmm. and the whole fact that she's kind of got, like, a whole bunch of mystery surrounding her. You can't figure her out, like, is she into girls, or Mm -hmm. is she into Angel? You don't really know, and that's just... I think it's clear, Michelle, from our last uh, episode when Greg and all of us did the uh, script reading, what what really (laughs) happened there, but continue. And then there's Michael Cross. Cannot get enough of him, honestly. Ah, so are you a Jim Gleason fan or just a Michael Cross fan? Definitely a Jim Gleason fan, but I wasn't a Jim Gleason fan until after I started listening. I'm more of a fan of Michael Cross, and then, of course, since he's the voice of Michael Cross, and then listening to you guys with the whole interview with him and everything, it's like, oh, this guy's really cool. Oh, he's okay. He's yeah. A, he's okay. Um, oh, he was nice to you. Yeah, well, you know. He calls me sometimes. He's like where's my we're not dead the feed isn't working on feed burner what's going on bum rocker all right gleason get right on that yeah i think he calls you bum rocker is what you said oh yeah it's, <laughs> it's now bum rocker bastard my last name's so weird anyway people butcher and come up with weird names all the time hey that's okay my last name's french and has a silent t what is it velo velo oh i like that so it's v-a-l-o-t but you never would have guessed that would you no I would have called you Valot. Or Valet. So we can jump into the episode recap. So Saul is searching the arena in the surrounding rubble. It's described as being mostly intact, minus some parts that had collapsed on itself with several large fires scattered on the right side. He sees shell casings, pools of blood, but no bodies. He made his way over to a flip truck, which had a door wide open. In there, he finds a map in the center console. It started at the strip mall and ended at the arena. 
Saul realizes he's found the Maulers. He starts looking for a clue as to where they were headed next. The map doesn't give him anything besides pin marks on the other roads. He also finds Lizzie's barf, which he doesn't know it was hers, but... That was something I noted on. Oh, it was? Yeah. Um, it, it was just like, how is that not a dead giveaway? There's puke everywhere. He was only following a puke trail the whole time. And every time he found the puke, he's like, oh, it must be Lizzie. Oh, because there's puke in the furniture store. Exactly. And then this time, the puke was no tip-off to him until he finds the bag. That is a good point. I didn't think about that. Job, did you think about that? Um, I actually did not, so I'm just going to... Plus one to Michelle. There we go. Uh, He then spots Lizzie's backpack. He was able to recognize it from the strap as it had broken weeks ago and Saul had fixed it with a zip tie. He starts looking for a sign that she was in the truck. Around that time, Bert radios into Saul. Bert asks him to pick up and talk to him. He says several times that he's not mad, but Saul only says, I can't, to himself, and he doesn't answer the CB. So is it a CB, a radio, or a walkie-talkie? I'm getting all of them confused. I don't really know. But did you notice how Bert sounded almost like he was begging? He just sounds like he really cares right. about Saul coming back. Like, at this m- genuinely. Yes. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the Tommy and Bert relationship. Uh, kind of mm-hmm. like that guilt. That, he sounds kind of desperate. Yeah. But um, to answer your question, Britt, uh, mm-hmm. this was currently a CB. Uh, okay. I actually went back and listened to the previous episode again to double check it. Um and uh, Kalani had mentioned, it was either Kalani or Victor, I lost it off the top of my head, but um, one of them mentions directly to Bert, um, saying that, are you sure it's going to reach him? And he's like, well, if the walkie doesn't, the CV will. And so, yeah. Oh, uh, so does he have two, he has both of them with him? Yes, he does. Okay. Gotcha. And then does he turn the, what one does he turn off? Because he turns something off, doesn't he? Or does Bert just shut up? So, because I'm, I'm just thinking in the if we're ahead, you know, does he have one communication device still turned on that he might be able to catch some airwaves of something? You know, maybe some people are distressed at a hospital. I don't know. It's just a theory. But <laughs> So, he ends up Lizzie's bag and comes across her audio tape. It sounds mm-hmm. like he then tries to play the cassette in his car, or where was he trying to play it? Because it sounded like he was turning the ignition on something and something was starting up. I actually wrote a snarky remark about that on my notes. What was your snarky remark? Finds tape recorder. Batteries are dead. Oh, look, the car has a tape player. Oh, look, the car actually works. After an explosion and being flipped over. (laughs) There you go. It it was just a little bit too perfect. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, we needed it, so. Although I would like to see, like, a haphazard, like, in-between episode or something, like, Mm -hmm. episode 0.5 or part (laughs) 2.5. Where everything goes wrong. Oh, okay. That would be kind of but funny. Like a, like a spoof, yeah. <laughs> um, so, ultimately, he gets the cassette to start playing, and for the first time, we hear some recordings Lizzie had made. I wrote a heart when Lizzie spoke. They're taking her up to the 110 North. She said the skinny asshole, Tar, likes to talk, so she might be able to get some information out of them. The second recording. They were attacked. She said it was like the ambush before, but a little different. They're special, those little ones. I thought it was kind of <laughs> creepy the way she said that. Uh, just go mm-hmm. back and listen to it. Maybe you'll agree. Oh, it was creepy. This thing had a black number five on its on its forearm. So Saul now knows about these little ones. Yeah, and with the reiteration mm-hmm. about the tattoo, um, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure Casey is, you know, making sure we remember that. So. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third says she says they were attacked, and you hear her more so in the background that she's pleading not to be left behind in the truck, and that she mm-hmm. was stuck. You can hear the battle going on. You can hear scratch do her roid rage yell of, I'm coming, hold on. And it sounds like Lizzie was crying. Um, she then says, if someone finds this, please get a message back. I love him. Just tell him I love him. Tell Saul I love him. And then Lizzie is hoisted away with tar bricks and scratch as she drops the voice recorder. One quick note. Sorry. Um, uh, actually, I uh, barely caught this, and it was only because I listened to the episode again like two mm-hmm. or three times actually in prep for this, um, was uh, you actually hear uh, it, Tardis actually um, in the background while Lizzie's talking. If you listen for Tardis, you actually hear him say, um, "Get her or, or she'll, she'll leave us." us. That is yeah, right. Yeah, I heard that. And so there we go. That reconfirms our theory that you know Scratch is just she'll do anything for Lizzie to have mm-hmm. Lizzie. Yeah, we're not quite sure why yet. So yeah, uh, she's gonna do some terrible things. Although I found it kind of interesting that like when they're fighting together, like. 
did anyone notice that like all of her evil plans or Scratch's evil plans, like they just kind of took a back seat. And uh, I was kind of stunned at like, obviously like how hardcore she is and everything. But then she's just like, oh, it's necessity to keep all of us alive. She wasn't willing to sacrifice anybody until she could kick in her evil plans. Um, no, I think she would have let Tar and Brooks die off. As long as she had Lizzie, I don't think she really would have cared. Well, Tar maybe because he's not so helpful, but I and think he's a that <laughs> yeah, she'd probably want to keep Bricks around just because he can really keep her protected. So I think Scratch wants to keep Bricks around because he's like her bodyguard. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, okay. Which we do also know that Tardust was helpful in the planning and execution of the explosives. Right. That's true. Right. Who knows? But he might have served his purpose now. Yeah, and now she's like, fuck you, go die. Who knows? (laughs) Yep. So Saul says, I love you too. So then after they leave, the voice recorder is still recording. You can hear the sounds of zombies. Yeah, you can hear the sounds of zombies shuffling in the background, growling and snarling. And at one point, it almost sounds like one of them says, move. And then you hear him take off. I didn't hear that. It's kind of like, I don't know, I can't even do it. My, <laughs> voice, my voice doesn't go that low. But it was very like a demonic low move. Did you hear that? Yes. Job? It was almost okay. a whisper. And I wouldn't have noticed it if it wasn't for the forum people all jumping on mm-hmm. it. Um, there was very few things. There was very few things that the forum this week kind of theorized, slash jumped all over. And that was one of them. So yeah, I didn't hear it the first time either because I was just listening through my regular car speakers. But once I put on my headset and you know you're able to hear things so much more clearly, then I heard mm-hmm. it. It almost sounded like you said it twice. In fact, hmm. one more prominent time than the other. But I don't know like what exactly they're doing, but it sounds kind of like they're trying to get things or something. Trying. To... And I was kind of I wrote down, are the creatures collecting? Mm-hmm. Because the very first thing that Saul stressed was. There were no bodies. Right. And that kind of... And that's kind of a kind of thing that we're getting used to where, yeah, there's no bodies around ever because we know that they're collecting. Mm-hmm. But they're still getting used to that idea of where the heck are all these dead bodies? There's a huge explosion. There's nothing here. There's pools of blood. There's shell casings. Exactly. Or, right. There's a bunch of stuff, but, but there's no evidence of anything really happening. Uh, okay. So then it cuts to Bert and Riley, who are sort of kind of lost in the hospital. Bert radios Angel. Kinda. Huh? Kinda? Yeah, sort of, kind of. Um, <laughs> Bert radios Angel and asks what floor he and Kalani are on, to which he replies, the 10th. Riley then, Riley then thought that she and Bert were on the 10th, so they find a map. Over the radio, Kalani seems to think that the, that the wing they are in doesn't connect to the main tower. Kalani says that they're in the physical therapy section. Riley says that is beneath her and Bert, and Bert calls Kalani and Angel dingbats. <laughs> And I let Angel's like, oh, that makes a little more sense now. <laughs> it was good. I like that. Um, while looking at the map, Riley confirms that neither of the wings connect to the main tower where the helicopter is located. Soon after, they all meet up. Kalani immediately asks for someone to figure a way out of there as he saw lots of those things outside. Again, he asks if there's another way out. Then Bert says, yeah, up. Kalani says this might be a good time to consider one of Bert's backup plans. And Bert says that was it to go up. Just when you thought he was becoming a team player, he has to, like, snidely say something. Yeah, and I'm not sure if this is one of those things that will have to be posted in the loopholes and inconsistencies thread, but um, Angel did say that the stairwell only went to 10, and they went up to the 10th floor to meet, and then Bert says to keep going up. Mm-hmm. So, oh, really? I didn't, I didn't catch that. So it, it might, yeah, I'm guessing it's just minor, but... Yeah. To go up, then that's when Riley takes them back down, right? Yeah, well... Okay. Yeah, anyways, besides the point. <laughs> okay, Inter- no, that's interesting. Um. Okay, so Kalani says that neither of the stairwells cl- connects to the main tower, but he points to a wing that does. He says they need to get to it. Bert suggested climbing up the elevator shaft, but Angel rejected that idea, saying that he already tried that, but he couldn't get it open. They all start bickering and start raising their voice loud enough to attract the zombies. Did you notice that whenever Riley says we're wasting time at like 8.20, there's like this doom sound right after she says it. It was just great. It was so perfect. Riley then leads them to the eighth floor, which will connect them to the other wing. 
They become overrun and take shelter in an on-call room. They push the cabinets against the thick metal doors, but someone has to hold the handle all times. Clonnie suggests unloading on the zombies, since they appear to have enough ammo. Angel throws that idea out the window, noting that they were a lot chasing them, and they would quickly become overrun again. Angel then suggests tying bedsheets together and hoisting themselves onto the floor below, as he saw Bert do it once during the war with the Maulers, and it gave him the idea. Now, to make myself clear, the floor below, roof below. Correct. Yeah. So they're jumping out the window onto a roof. So Bert scoffs at the idea, saying that that was only one floor he had to go down. Riley is afraid of heights and says she'd rather go through the zombies than try her luck with the bedsheets. Angel tells her she'll do it because she has to, which was a good Angel moment. Clonnie, although he doesn't like the idea, knows how to tie the knots perfectly. They each took turns tying the knots while someone held the door. The door had started to flex in the middle by the impact of a zombie on the other side. Riley is sent down first, so she doesn't have to later climb down, and strapped in with a backpack. Clonnie was next, in order to test the weight limit, but the rope slips through Angel's fingers and Clonnie is dropped, but he's okay. Unfortunately, all of the rope is lost in the process. Bert frantically tells Angel to start tying another rope together, but they only have like two bedsheets. Angel takes hold of the door handle and Bert tosses a walkie-talkie down, wrapped in a cloth bumper, to Clonnie and Riley. From below, Clonnie asks Bert how he and Angel are going to get out of there. Bert says it's simple, they're not going to. Angel immediately questions Bert, who shuts him up and continues talking to Kalani. Shooting would be a failure, as well would be jumping six floors to the rooftop. He tells Kalani and Riley to get to the other building and to the helicopter and get the fuck out. When Kalani simply says no, Bert says, Anyone? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was good. Um, yeah, he said get to the chopper through gritted teeth. Angel insists that there has to be another way. But Bert simply says, no, there doesn't. Angel says he's not letting go of the door handle, and Bert says he doesn't expect him to. Angel then whines that they shouldn't have let the fat one go first. Okay, it's like, way to talk about your buddy, Angel. I mean, you know, they had, like, this magnificent moment with the behemoths, and now he's like, we shouldn't have let the fat one go first. Like, Kalani doesn't even have a name. It just, again, Well, wouldn't Angel. you be, like, really ready to call someone names whenever they just pretty much sealed your I... fate? I know, but still, he should have kept his cool, and if he's trying to, like, you know, have this leadership role, he shouldn't be such a little whiny bitch. He's just had his officer training. He's crap. I don't care. (laughs) He's been through a zombie apocalypse, Michelle. That, I don't know. It changes people? Or something. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Same thing. Um, Okay, so Burr says that since Kalani was the pilot, it was the right thing to do. It could have happened to anyone at any time since the sheets were rubbing on the ledge. Angel asks Bert how he can give up so easily. He says he won't give up, he can't. Bert gives Angel a little pep talk, says there's nothing Kalani and Riley can do for them. They wouldn't get very far should they try to venture to the hospital, and it's not worth risking everyone at the tower for just those two. Bert also says, you're an officer, you know what this is. He then takes the door handle and allows Angel to say his goodbyes to Kalani and Riley. Angel tells Riley and Kalani that they need to go. They both refuse, and Kalani says that he found Bert's C4 in the backpack. Bert replies and tells him not to even bother trying to dink around with it. Long story short, it'd be suicide. Angel and Riley go back and forth a little bit. Riley says they're still going to try to figure something out. Angel, with a slight quiver to his voice, tells Riley to just go. At one point, Angel says, look, you don't need me, okay? Remember? Ugh. And Riley responds with, yeah, but I do. I didn't mean that. Okay, don't do this. Cue the French accent. I'm not even going to try to do it. (laughs) Uh, Angel tells her to just go. She says no. He says it again. She again says no, and he yells at her to go. Bert says Angel stared out the window for a while. He told Bert that Riley and Kalani eventually walked away and into the roof access, leading them back inside. Leaving them in a room full of a whole lot of nothing helpful. Right. And Bert's final quote, it was just the two of us now. Just the two of us. Just the... Yeah. You and me. And you, and you. <laughs> you know what that song reminds me of all the time is uh, Austin Powers. Did you guys watch that? Oh, yeah. Yes. That's exactly what I thought of. From the moment I heard Frau say, okay, I'm going off topic here. Um, <laughs> so what did you guys think of this episode? Um, it had some good gems with comedy and everything, but genuinely mm-hmm. the best part about it was the heartbreaking goodbye. And it stirred up a lot of anger, too. Like, why the hell is Bert ready to give up now? After all he's been doing, why just sit down? And he, you don't quit. You don't. I think. I think at this point, he just wants Kalani and Riley to um, get going instead of worrying about. The... I know, but it looks like. No, I see. I see what you're saying. I think Go he ahead. just. He's. You know, don't worry about us. The main priority is you guys getting to that helicopter. You two, and you get the helicopter. Yeah. You're going to benefit everybody yeah. n- instead of risking 
And plus, he's probably, you know, like I said, Bert's going to die soon, and he's probably a little emo, and he's just like, whatever. Yeah, you've been predicting it for like six yeah, episodes now. Well, it's going to happen. <laughs> Season finale is coming up. But what about what about you, Joe? Did you get a little teary-eyed at the emotional moments? Yes, I did. Did you really? Um, yeah, it was actually, that was probably the, the, the thing about this episode was it was very, um, it, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, like, uh, I don't even know how to word this. Uh, I lost words. But um, basically, my opinion was that there wasn't a whole lot of places where you can guess what's going to happen. But there's a lot of meat of where you had to just sit back and digest it. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I remember um, your guest on a couple, either last week or, no, two weeks ago, uh, uh, Mushrooms, um, actually posted to Twitter that um, Casey made her cry. And it, it and um, it it really was a very emotional episode. It really was. I had goosebumps a few times. I maybe this was because it was kind of spoiled for me. Unfortunately, the phone that I have it's linked to all my email accounts. So even the we're not dead email account. Um, and when I get an email, it pops up on my phone, and the subject of that email is automatically displayed right on top. So before I had a chance to listen to the episode, the subject line was. I thought I was going to cry when Saul heard Lizzie's voice tape. And so I, I knew that was coming. And maybe maybe that was why. But I, I God, maybe I'm just a hard ass. The only part in We're Alive, I, I don't know, but the only part of We're Alive I've ever gotten teary-eyed was after the war with the Maulers and the zombies and whatnot. And they were sending everybody off. And, they, you know, they were playing the trumpet or not. And they were shooting the, the rifles. And, and that's when, and when I, they were honoring the dead and stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's when I got teary-eyed. But, th- like, this whole thing with Lizzie, I was like, oh, that's sad, but whatever. And then the whole Riley and <laughs> That's me. just crappy romance. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a critic. I don't know what my deal is. But, um, no, I agree. A lot of people, this this tugged on a lot of emotional heartstrings. Oh, it definitely did. Because mm-hmm. Saul definitely, he's showing that he would give everything just to see Lizzie again. Like, he doesn't even mention, I want to hold her, I want to be with you, or anything like that. It's just, I want to know you're okay. Right, yeah. And he doesn't have that security right now, so he's, like, in a frantic, oh my gosh, gotta find Lizzie mode. Mm -hmm. Can we just talk about how amazing of a job Nate did? He's got to portray Saul, the voice acting in this episode. Yeah, Yeah. that was definitely impressive work there. It was, because, you know, you... you it's, it, when you listen to it, it all ties so well together, but you have to realize when they're acting, they're just standing in front of a microphone. They're really not digging through a truck. They're really not trying to, like, figure out how this cassette player works. Like, very rarely are they actually doing what they're doing. Right. Like, of course, whenever they were in the water, they were in water. An adorable, tiny little tub jacuzzi thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that being said, what do you think the fate of Lizzie is? Currently, I would say she's still alive. Um, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Uh, Scratch's gonna ensure that she's alive. Yeah, there's really no payoff to this entire situation unless there is a Saul Lizzie um, uh, culmination to the story. Um, whether it be that Saul is there just short of time or whether he's there just in the next time. I will time. cry then. <laughs> <laughs> I will. If he ends up arriving, like, just the moment before she could have been saved i'm gonna lose it yeah i think we'd see a whole nother side of saul that we've never that only michael has seen before god forbid anything happened to lizzie but i pity scratch if that happens because (laughs) the poor girl is not gonna die slowly if that happened i know um this was interesting because a lot of people thought that lizzie had been taken away by the zombies to the hospital you know, and it kind of sounded like that at first, and I had to listen a couple of times to figure out, okay, what's going on with this? Right. But I'm pretty sure you would have heard her screaming her head off if the zombies got her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty, uh, yeah, it's pretty much convinced that she got in the car and they tire squealed off, and then they went. Because uh, she's not a quiet girl. Whenever she's frightened. Do you think Saul has enough evidence? Because my guess is that they're going to the colony to meet up with Dry in the second half of, the, or however the Maulers were divided. Does he have enough evidence to know to head there? He noted that the map had pinpoints around the path. So there was a winding path leading from the strip mall all the way down to the arena. And then there were little marks all around. And he doesn't really know what all of those marks are. He might be able to figure out like from his memory or looking at a map or whatever. But 
he's probably going to try and check the next ones. I'm predicting that his next actions are trying to follow steps to go on the path that she led because she did say I-10 North. So he's probably going to follow that path, but he's going to make little detours if there are any little spots on their map. I guarantee he's going to try and keep up that map. I-10 North, that, that, that the colony is south. But she said that we're headed I-10 North. Now, I have to ask you, this, what does Saul even know about the colony? Because he was pretty much out for the count when all that stuff was going down. I think they I abstractly know. kind of probably filled him in, but I'm guessing he probably doesn't know all the details. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to see from his point of view. You know, we don't even know what the state of the colony is. Yeah, we don't. See what gatekeepers doing. I think it would be. Oh kinda... gosh, I really hope gatekeepers not in charge. <laughs> I really hope. Uh, I'm sorry to say, I'm probably gonna. Uh, he's probably in charge. You think Marcus is dead? I- I'm on the side that Marcus is dead. I know that there are some former members who still believe. He's Until alive. I see confirmation or hear confirmation, I'm not assuming anyone's dead. Didn't Victor, whenever they were running out, um, a fire had stopped, and Victor said something along the lines of, that means Marcus is dead, we need to go. Or it's over, or something like that. Right. Something like that. Right. It's been too long. I need to listen no, again. No, it's been a while. Yeah, something along those lines. <laughs> um, Let's see. Adventureless Hero also agrees that he says, now that, So now that mission to Sturm Hornet's Nest is complete, they would most likely be on their way to meet up with the other half of the Maulers. Okay. And by the sound of the recording, it doesn't appear that Lizzie and the others were captured. All, all I have to say is, poor Saul. Agreed. Okay, so let's move on to the fate of two other characters, Bert and Angel. Um, I guess the main thing is you think they're going to die. Really, in... for of the people who I think are going to die, I don't think Angel will be among them, especially, because there's still way too many unanswered questions with the blonde pretty boy. I mean, we've still got the entire Scratch Angel backstory, which... Thank you! Which, I'm waiting for someone to mention that. Which, that especially, that really would not be a satisfying payoff to just kind of hear about in retrospect. It's It'll be a much more interesting um, uh, them telling us what happened if they're actually in that awkward moment together. Right. So I, I don't think that Angel will be among that. Um, Bert, we really don't have too many unanswered questions left for him. We don't. He's been kind of spilling his guts lately. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Really, the only thing that we—he's preparing for death. Yeah. The only teaser we really still have from him, honestly, is that makeshift bomb he's been making. Right, and that sounds like that'll be coming to a head here pretty soon. Probably. I wrote down in my notes: Bert and Angel will survive. I all caps and underlined and everything. <laughs> And this is why I'm so positive that they will at least survive this moment that they're in right now. Angel, Michael, and Saul made it to the motor pool in the very first episode when they were pinned down in a room with only one exit. They can jump out the window, and I'm pretty sure they'll survive that fall. It just won't feel very good. The six stories? You said the motor pool? Um, Yeah, in the very first episode, they survived leaving that room that they were in. Oh, the armory? Um, Uh Uh-huh. Are you, are you talking about twenty three one or, you, or like that? No, episode, episode one. one. Yeah, the very first yeah. episode. So if they can get through that, and... you're saying they can get through anything. They can survive a six story fall. Well, not completely like survive a six story fall. I lost my notes again. What the hell I know what you're saying, but in a broke a broken leg in this world is pretty much a death sentence. Well, not necessarily. Michael had a broken arm, but that's you can't you don't run with your arms. If you do, you have problems. But there were zombies directly outside the door, and they were carrying ammo rifles and the bolt cutters which apparently were Saul's like big oh my gosh this is an extra weight kind of thing but I don't know how heavy bolt cutters really would have been but chased by the things they knew were faster and stronger than them Mm -hmm. so if they can survive that I really think that Angel and Bert can survive getting at least out of the room and everything. I th- yeah, I think they're going to survive just because Bert, you know, like we've talked about this, seems convinced that they're going to die. So, I mean, we're supposed to expect it, mm-hmm. but, you know, us being seasoned, we're live listeners. We know a little better than that. Uh, I think one of them could die if one of them would die. It would be Bert. You know, I've been saying this, so I don't need to yeah. repeat myself. But... Well, he's not quite as fit as he would have been. 20 or 30 years ago so where angel is in his peak right now at least i think so and so if somebody is gonna die more than likely the odds are on bert dying 
something really strange is going to have to happen if Angel's going to be the one that dies. Because he's got a lot of story to go through still. Right. It's going to be one of those bird sacrifices. But like I said, I've seen that 500 times. So what do you think, Job? What, what's going to happen? <laughs> I'm leaning towards that no one's going to die. Uh, or uh, of Bert and Angel. Um, uh, the so of that situation, I don't think anyone's gonna die. Um, and I think Riley and Kalani are going to make it to the helicopter. Um, uh, I'm leaning that. Um, or well, I'm. I have this inkling, like kind of half that um, Kalani and Riley are going to make it to the helicopter, half inkling that Riley is actually going to kind of sacrifice herself, that Kalani can make it to the helicopter and try to fend off the man in the pinstripe suit. And that's and, why the man is holding the arrow. Yeah, that's entirely where my theory derives from, yeah, is the point. artwork. So, and so, yeah. Right, the, the guy holding, the dude holding the arrow. I mean, that's... Yeah, he's not in a pinstripe suit. I looked at it as large as I could get the picture, and it, there are no pinstripes or anything. It's just a man in a suit. In a suit. I know... With no face. Uh, some people had said that on the forums as well, and Casey had responded and said you wouldn't be able... Pretty much, she said you wouldn't be able to see them even if they were on there. Job, did you see that? Yes, I did. Okay. He has a good point. I know. Pinstripes are kind of hard to see unless you're really close. Yeah. Back when I did my uh, stint with a local television uh, station, um, it's one of the things that you learn is pinstripes don't show up well in pictures, period, whether it be camera or, like, actual photos. They look great in person, but they really don't show up in photos at all uh, because once you start shrinking them, your eye starts merging the details, so... Pam G says, does anyone think we're going to lose Angel and Bert? I think Angel will use the two sheets to get the level down below them and affect his own escape that way. I think Bert's going to go down shooting, trapped in that room. Damn it. Hardcore says, my thought on this. Bert seems the most likely candidate. He's the oldest character on the show. He's a badass, so if he goes, so if he does go out, it will most likely be awesome. He started, Blaze of glory. Yep, he's starting to deteriorate physically, and he's got things to atone for. That is all the makings of a heroic sacrifice. Angel, on the other hand, is young and has potential, but is still rough around the edges. He's one of the original three main characters, and he is voiced by the co-creator of the show, not the typical profile for a character about to die. <laughs> um so okay let's say they don't die how will they be rescued well i did i did love um a specific theory even though nick voodoo tried to refute it but i, I know uh, where I, you're going with this i, I still <laughs> like that idea um riley had uh small smalls kenobi uh posted that he was yelling for Riley to attach the sheets to I an have arrow. I have the quote. Let me let me read you the quote. Fucking Riley tie the cloth <laughs> to an arrow and shoot it up there. God <laughs> damn it. The original quote. I never even thought of that. That would have been a smart thing to do. I didn't even think about it, but why didn't she? Uh I have Nick's Nick Voodoo's um of course Nick Voodoo posts something intelligent on everything that ever, anyone ever writes, that bastard. But this is what he wrote. He wrote because there's a bunch of people that were in support of that theory, right, Job? It was a lot of people like the idea. Yeah, especially since I actually posted like actual like physics as well. But yeah. Yeah, no, I have your, I have that post too. But I figured since you're here, you know, you could talk about it. But um, here's what Nick said. He says, "As for the arrows hoisting the sheets back up to the tenth floor, I don't think it's possible. Even if you deconstruct the rope and send it back up piece by piece, each individual sheet would be too heavy to let an arrow fly." I'm basing this off of Mythbuster knowledge when they tried to cleave a tree in half. They couldn't get three sticks of dynamite to fly, so they stuck it into a tree before they lit the fuse. And the, my best guess I can find is that the average stick of dynamite weighs approximately half a pound, meaning if the sheets weigh more than 1.5 pounds, they probably wouldn't fly right or at all. Not to mention so much flowing goodness behind the arrowhead would definitely mess up the flight path. A couple things that I had mentioned was... Um that uh or like in my post was just uh how much distance that you can actually get with shooting a compound bow which is kind of what we're assuming that riley has and i don't want to bore you with too much details but there's three types of bows really there's um, composite compound and crossbow um we're pretty sure that she's using a compound bow which is the most modern hunting bow um which can get anywhere between 50 and 300 yards of distance and six floors equals 18 yards so um 
we're at about three times the uh, length at the maximum that you can shoot. So I'm pretty sure it would be able to overcome that amount of weight, especially considering that it would not be concentrated in a single point. Like if you would attach dynamite to a piece or to an arrow, it would all be like localized to that arrow. Whereas with the sheet, you would have it would be pulling the sheet, but it would actually the resistance would increase the further it would get up. So it would actually go pretty far before that resistance would kick in. Okay. So it could work. I guess the big question is, theoretically, yeah. I think if, it, if that was to be the case, it would have happened by now. But you never know. Um, yeah. You never know. Originally, I had been hoping that Kalani, you know, they'll get to the helicopter, they'll get to the chopper, and they'll be able to position it <laughs> somewhere where Angel and Bert could maybe hop onto it. I don't think, I don't know how that would work. Um, don't know. I don't know. Either that or maybe, I don't know, something with a helicopter, like a really cool Call of Duty mission, you know, but with a helicopter. <laughs> I think that would be cool. Anyway, it, it would on. be a very action sequence. It would be, except for she'd be using a a, a, a bow and arrow or crossbow, so you wouldn't have like the gunfire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boing. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you go. Phew. Yeah, it would be a dramatic. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> uh, and then on an Exeter theory, Adrian HD says, "What if this is turning into I Am Legend? The zombies outnumber the humans. So what if it's the zombies who sees the humans as the real creatures? The zombies are becoming more human-like and more intelligent. What if we're alive refers to the zombies being alive rather than the humans?" First off, I would want to preface that with that was a huge spoiler in I Am Legend, <laughs> like the book <laughs> series, because that's actually where the entire like ending, literally the ending phrase of I Am Legend in the book is, "Oops, I Am Legend." <laughs> um, like, <laughs> oh, it is. I read the book, but I don't remember. Yeah, in the end, ending. he's stuck in a cell. And... So, spoiler alert! Yes. I no, I remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. I remember being very disappointed with the ending because the book that I got came pa- it came with two stories and only half of the book was I Am Legend. So I thought I had a whole nother half of the book to go. And, and then, then you're I, like, wait, this is the end? Oh, yeah. I was yeah. pissed. I was like, what the fuck? Blasphemy. Yeah. yeah. I had the same copy, the one with the random like voodoo stories in the back. And, yeah. Yes. Yep. It that's it. Interesting. I've never read um, it. And when he says, what if we're alive, refers to the zombies being alive rather than the humans. Okay, uh, but I remember Pegs made a sign that said, we're alive. Hey, innuendos, or not innuendos, double meanings. It could be there a double meaning. plenty of those. Absolutely, I'm just saying, don't so forget that. So it could that. be where, in the beginning, it started out as, yes, the humans are alive. There are survivors. Oh. <laughs> and then it takes on a new meaning as we go through the story. But what really, really strikes me is how, in the beginning... The zombies are creatures, because Angel didn't want to call them that, were stupid. And now they're setting traps, and they're figuring things out, and they're collecting, and they're creating an army and everything. And if you remember, in the very first episode, I listened to it last night to try and figure out what hooked me. Mm -hmm. And it was the zombies weren't so bright. And then it's exemplified how the keys were in the door, and Michael, Saul, and Angel were still safe. Right. I think the zombies are still stupid. I think it's the the more intelligent ones. Are you saying that maybe now we're just discovering the intelligent ones? Or do you think that the actual, your typical day-to-day zombie has become more intelligent? It might be that we're seeing, like, the higher-ups more and more and more. And then just whenever it comes down to it, the other ones are just kind of following the pack and following what seems to be a pretty bright thing, which could be just a basic reflection of people on a day-to-day life where we're not too intelligent, but we kind of follow the really smart ones. It, with uh, one thing that um, Tanya actually said in uh, the previous part, um, she said that these uh, creatures are seeming more and more like animals. Um, and it definitely, uh, like Michelle was saying, um, reminds me of almost a pack mentality uh, where you have a um, alpha male uh, that is asserting dominance and basically controlling the pack, even though they, um, you know, technically anyone could lead the pack, there's um, someone who is controlling the entire direction of everything. I'd forgotten that Tanya had said that. All right. Um, 
So if you have anything else you guys want to mention about the episode, go with any of your notes, let me know. Otherwise, I'll move on to some other minor announcements. One quick kudos to Casey, because I've been in and out of the hospitals, not for me, but recently. Um, uh, I really uh, did like that in the hospital, he kept a lot of small details that no one really would have noticed um, very accurate. Like uh, when they actually go to go out the window, they don't just open it. Hospitals don't have windows that open. They actually sh- they actually shoot out the window. Oh, that's right. So, um, it, it, long story short, hospitals don't have windows that open so they can prevent suicidal patients. Oh, that, that's a great reason. <laughs> no, that's true. That is cool. That's one of those little details that you don't really think about, but you do appreciate once you do realize that they are put in there. I was kind of wondering why they didn't open the window, and... From my perspective of someone who doesn't know that hospital windows don't open, but now I do, <laughs> um, it would have been nice to have someone in the group that they were with mention that and been like, the windows aren't opening. Here, I'll open it. And then they blow out the window. One other small, like, other note. Um, did anyone else, like, uh, absolutely adore the spacing that Casey did uh, when the right uh, about when the tape deck kicked off? Um, after Saul's like listening to the zombies, uh, zombies, creatures, whatever. Uh, but um, like when the tape deck kicks off, uh, like or you actually hear like the tape eject, like there's this silence. Yes. And then this slow like coming music back in. Uh, when I was first listening to it, um, because I was so enraptured in the story, I actually almost thought that was the ending music. And I Me was about too. To go, no. <laughs> So instead, you're sitting there with your jaw like on the floor, and you're like, "Oh!" And it gives you that second to kind of digest what just happened. Oh, mm-hmm. I totally under- yeah. I thought it was because that's happened to me a few times. I've downloaded it off of iTunes, and then for some reason, only downloads the first two seconds of the song of the episode. I was like, "Great, that would be the ultimate ultimate suck for it to end right then and there." Um. So for more we are live news, twenty three three will release on July eleventh. There will not be an episode next week. So, so sad. That is due to July 4th in the United States. That is our yeah. Independence Day. Yes, so there's a good reason for that. Um, we're busy with fireworks. Yeah, so we're not dead. We'll see you that week as well. Um, and Chapter 24, just 24, no episodes, yada, 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 will release on July 30th. That is a Saturday. Um, I'm pretty sure there are more details that I don't have with me right now. I know if you go on the forums, um, I think there's a they're working out a time and how they're going to stream it. Yes, and the, please, if you listen to this, it, we would love to see you in the forums because uh, this probably will be being live chatted at the exact same moment, and we will definitely be turning this as um, spoiler-free, as in you're allowed to talk about the episode while it's happening, so yeah. Okay, so another thing going on in the forums, and I'm just going to pull information from an email I have here. Um, so We're Alive forum members are transcribing the chapters. Pretty much, if you want to do this, you need to be able to go through a whole chapter and type everything out that is going on. Um, you know, acute attention to detail is necessary. If you want to do this, you can contact reindeer at hotmail.com, R-E-1-N-D-E-E-R at hotmail.com, and you can ask him for more information. I mean, these are pretty cool to look at. I mean, they're the entire chapters. We released the first one for a contest we did, and I had to go through that and pretty much like make tweaks here and there. And it was a lot of work, but it was really cool to actually see everything written down because you catch things you wouldn't have otherwise. So if you have some free time and you want to contribute and help Casey and the gang out, send him an email and ask for more information. And just for reference... So if they want to contact the show, where do they go? What show? This show? This amazing yes, podcast this about a podcast? Yeah. We're not dead podcast at gmail.com. Just for reference, since I've gotten this question multiple times in the chat box, the reason that there has not uh, been released other um, episode uh, like scripts directly from Casey is because he makes lots of notes in the margins, and they are things that we might not necessarily need to know as of yet. Exactly. Like the way a character says something like maybe the rat has a line in there and then the margin it says hesitantly or something like that. I'll make Ooh. I'll make one more kind of drop point um, because I'm actually uh, helping work on it. We are working on an iPhone app right now. Oh, um, right. 
and currently I'm also developing the mobile chat a lot. It's looking very nice. Uh, there's a lot of fixes that are going on in it because um, iPhones are kind of a bitch to develop for. <laughs> but anyways, um, so keep on the lookout for mobile apps because they are going to be kick-ass. Also, uh, you can now download the remastered Season 1 We're Live shindig off of iTunes. I saw it on there the other day. It was supposed to launch July 1st, but it's there a little early. And I believe oh, it's seventeen ninety nine. I think is what it is. Yes, it is in the audiobook section. Right. If you just search for We're Live, you know where you can download the episodes for free. There'll be another option, you know, maybe like a few below that where it's, you know, season one. Worth every freaking penny. I am just saying that right now. Absolutely. It's amazing. All right. Um, let's move on to a few emails. First one from Desert Eagle. Okay, it says, hello, Brit, Greg, and esteemed guests. Well, Greg's not here, so boo. <laughs> um, okay, where to start? Okay, Angel and Bert, their escape is easy. It actually came to me in a dream. I'll describe it later. It's not that important. And while my dream was less practical, the theory holds up in reality. They've got two bed sheets left. Not enough to make it down six floors, but plenty to make it down to one. Do that. Shoot out the glass of the room of a floor below you, or better yet, the room of one floor down and a few to the side. Harder for biters to climb down your bed sheet after you. From there, either use the door and go into the hallway, or if that won't work, use this room's bed sheets to get down to the remaining five floors. Voila. Now, this scene seems strangely familiar to the Datsu and Samantha case. The hospital is the new arena. One captive has hope, the other one has given up and is accepting death. I sure herp, sure herp, herp a derp. <laughs> <laughs> I sure do hope Bert doesn't die here. What do you guys think? I, I think there's plenty yeah, that's of. That's actually a great idea. Yeah, I definitely think there's definitely plenty of possible outs for Casey to take if he doesn't want someone to die. But um, there's plenty of things pointing to that um, there could be a death as well. That's a pretty cool dream. Not going to mm-hmm. lie. I mean, could you imagine if that really came true? It's like Why don't prophecy. I get to dream about where I That's not cool. <laughs> yeah. I want that. That's a good idea. I was thinking something about that. Or even, well, never mind. I guess that wouldn't work. I was thinking, you know, when they were saying that the bed sheets were rubbing against the ledge, they could maybe like push themselves against the wall, but it would still rub mm-hmm. against the ledge. So never mind. Well, they could do like the whole swinging thing until the um, bed sheet actually breaks and swing into the window once they shoot it out and everything. If the biters aren't like right on top of them or anything, or even just take a knife, I'm sure Angel with like all of the stuff and gear that he would carry on him, just like as an army individual, he would probably carry a knife. You'd hope so. Yeah, yeah especially one with fake. With his uh, quote of the episode last episode. Hey, guys. Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> hey, guys. That was good. Oh, gosh, yeah. No, that was funny. Um, next email comes from Bradley Frazier, Pikepaw. He was our guest last week. He says, if they ever get into the helicopters to flee L.A., do you think the tower will take Mr. Whiskers and Lady with them? Or will they pull a Greg and euthanize the animals for their own good? Every pound mm. you can shed when flying is important. I'm pretty sure the animals are coming. Yeah, I mean, they're what, like, how many pounds? Probably not that many. They can't be that heavy. I mean, yeah, they're they're not that heavy. And there's what, a cat and one dog. A cat and a puggle. Yeah, Yeah. that's it. Puggles are tiny. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they're not fat and really pulley. Because I'm sure you know. It's not like it's a Bernese mountain dog that can weigh up to 150 pounds. That'd be yeah. My Doberman actually is a or it's a Doberman Rottweiler mix. But he's nice. 120 pounds, so yeah. Holy crap! He's a big dog. Yikes. <laughs> That's like how much I weigh. Oh my god. Okay. Jeez, <laughs> uh, Louise. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there hasn't been mention of the animals lately, but I'm sure you know Casey's not going to leave them. You know, there'll be mention of them. It's. Do you think if they do leave, they're going to take Lady, even if Saul's not with them? Because it sounds like if mm. someone stays behind, it would be Tanya, and I could see her being like, "Oh, I'll take care after Lady." Maybe. That's true. Perhaps. I'm pretty sure that, like, Tanya wouldn't let his dog go uncatered to. Yeah. Tanya is confined unconscious to a bed right now, though. Oh, that is true. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Holy crap, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's a little unfortunate. Herp-derp. derp yeah. So she's a little, uh... I don't know what you want to call her. Um, there you go. Incapacitated. Uh, comatose. There's... That's the word. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so that wraps up our listener mail. Um, like we said before, please send email to we're not dead podcast at gmail.com. Rate us on iTunes. Um, I don't if you listened last week, we our current Twitter handle is WND Podcast. There is a guy that has the We're Not Dead Twitter username. However, it has been inactive for over 460 days. So if you guys want to send him a very nice tweet or a very nice email, maybe ask him to you give it to us. I know Greg sent one today, but I don't know what one man can do. One man and his banana underpants. Oh, that's absolutely. The ladies love that. I was disturbed. Oh, Greg. Um, also, I am working on a website, we're not dead podcast.com. Unfortunately, right now it's super rough because I have about 400 other websites I'm working on. But hopefully, by the time this releases, there will be something for you to look at. It'll have um, all the fingers. Yeah, it'll have all the fan art, the, the fan submitted contest entries that we have. Um, That'd be great. Blog pictures, videos, all that good. I don't even know what it'll have. It'll have awesome things. Oh. There was one thing. Um, do you remember whenever they were running down the stairs and like towards the hallway? Am I crazy or did they pass a boomer? A boomer? I, I don't know. Did they? You hear that? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That makes me noise. nauseous every time I play Left 4 Dead and I hear that thing. No, I don't know. Exactly. I swear to God, they passed a boomer at 916. Here to go. God, that would be really funny. Um, and before we wrap this podcast up, we have two bloopers to choose from, and you guys can pick what ones you want to listen to. We have one of people just goofing around, and we have the other one of Jim Gleason messing up. Jim Gleason, Jim Gleason, Jim Gleason, Jim Gleason. I like whenever they're messing up. Uh, or, of course no, you um, do. Jim Gleason. Whenever they're goofing around is what I meant to say. Jim Darn. Gleason's not capable of messing up. Jim Gleason's God. Blah, blah. But we can do that one. <laughs> Job, do- Actually, I was going to vote for Jim Gleason as well. Okay. Um, well- just because... Yeah, it's uh, he. The man has a sense of humor. Okay, well, so. we'll do it this way. Pick a number between one and fifty. Closest one gets win. Twenty-seven. Job. Twenty-eight. Thirty-seven <laughs> was the number. Damn it. Yes. <laughs> yes. My Price Is Right days are coming. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> ha, Jim Gleason, you are immortal. <laughs> I mean, not immortal. Wow, that was a fail. Anyway, so um, if you guys have anything else. You, you are fallible. You're not perfect. I, I, whatever. I'm stopping this. So um, if you guys have anything else you want to mention <laughs> about the podcast, please go ahead. Random bursts of creativity. How about we start uh, something? And if you want, you can just totally edit this out. But um, random quiz question that will be answered the next episode. And then just, hmm. yeah. Do you know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah, go for it. Um, what color is Mr. Whiskers? Ooh. <gasps> dun, yeah, because his name doesn't dun. really signify, like, if he was named Smokey, he would be gray or snowflake. So what color is Mr. Whiskers? If you send me an email, I will read your answer, and you won't get anything if you answer it correctly, but it would still be a cool trivia question, or you can just keep the answer to yourself and find out next week if you got it right or not. You'll get a gold star. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, okay, so for Michelle and for Job, Ron Job, whatever you want to call him. Um, thank you guys for joining. It was fun. It was. I'm glad I got to do it because I was geeked out for like the last four days. I know. It was fun. Um, and thank you for listening to We're Not Dead. And we're out. What happened? Shit. Pippin's dead? Who was on guard? What does it matter who's on guard? I just left. I was on guard for six freaking hours. And you're a terrible guard. Everything's gone wrong hey. when you're on duty. I wasn't you fall hey, 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 hey. What? Everybody in the washroom now. And nobody washes their hands. You said washroom. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to laugh. I really wanted, I really wanted him to go. Everybody in the washroom, and nobody messed your hands. Sorry. <laughs> that sounds like an outtake. <laughs> We're not dead. We're not dead.